It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Ten All-Stars. 1995, you're the you're the MVP of the World Series. Uh, you won the the wins title five times. NL. Uh, that's back when it meant something, and it meant something to go late in the game as a starter. Now it nowadays it seems like it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I see it early in games. You know, they don't get through the fifth because you got to get through the fifth uh, mm-hmm. to be it to to be in your counter, you know, your corner to win a game. How important was that to you? Because as as offensive players, we not only look at your ERA and what you've done lately. When I'm coming to get a, try to get a scouting report on how Tommy Glavin's been pitching lately, I want to know what you've been doing lately. But I'm going to look at the wins and I'm going to look at the ERA. I don't think the players look at the wins anymore. It's like whatever. How important was it, and how much uh, did those? How important was that for you to win for, from a personal standpoint? Like, yeah, I I won 20 games this year. I won 22. I won 21. I mean, it was, it was everything, right? I mean, that's what you got judged on as a starting pitcher. Yeah. You got judged on how many games you win, right? I mean, that, that was kind of the end all be all, um, you know, today obviously wins, you know, they're, they're trying to find ways statistically to quantify um, what wins would mean for starting pitchers in today's game, because they don't get into games deep enough to win games anymore. Uh, a lot of times they're not getting through five innings, uh, a lot of times they're not staying in a game in a tie game uh, in the sixth inning or the seventh inning and picking up a win late like we would do a lot of times. 
Um, you know, you win a handful of games in the seventh inning or the eighth inning. Uh, you know, you're not you're not coming out of every game with a lead in the fifth inning, and that's how you win. You know, you win some games late, and if you're not getting that that opportunity, then there's a lot of those chances that you lose to go out there and win. And and you know, I think for us, look, it was we took a ton of pride in going out there and pitching when it was our turn to pitch. You know, our 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 thing was look. Every five days, we're getting the ball and we're going out there. And that's not to say that every time I went out there, I was 100%. Of course, I wasn't, right? I mean, I hear guys today talk about, well, you know, I'm not going to go out there if I'm not 100%. And I laugh because I think, you know what? After my first game in spring training, I'm not 100%. Something hurts. There's, there's something that doesn't feel right. And you have to distinguish between truly being hurt and just not feeling good. And, and I think for a lot of guys, um, you don't feel good, you don't pitch. And we didn't do that. You know, we took the ball and, and, you know, if it meant getting a cortisone shot or doing whatever we had to do to get out there in five days. And that's what we did because we took a ton of pride in it. And, you know, I know for me, I felt like, look, if I can go out there at 80%, I've got as good a chance to win as that guy that I'm going to face most of the time. Now, every now and then, obviously you're going to face a, another guy that's a, you know, a Randy Johnson or somebody like that, where it's like, well, maybe not so much today, but I'm still going to give it a shot, but most of the time, all right, I'm going to take my chances at 80% against their fourth starter at hundred percent. Um, so it was hugely important to go out there and, and take the ball every fifth day. And, and, you know, you, you try to pitch as deep in the game as you could. I think for us, it was, it was always at least seven innings. Um, there were times where you knew your bullpen was taxed and maybe you needed to try and find a way somehow to get more than that. Um, yeah, I don't fault today's guys because it's it's the it's the product of the environment they're being brought up in, right? I mean, I I look at my generation and yeah, we all pitched 36 starts a year and we went 220, 250 innings and all that stuff. And compared to today's guys, that looks like Herculean, right? Well, you go talk to Nolan Ryan or Fergie Jenkins or some of those guys, and they look at our generation like we were soft. Right. Those guys were going out there 40 times a year. They were pitching 300 something innings a year. They were, you know, they started a game, they ended a game and, and that was it. So I, I, I think you're to some degree, you're a product of the environment you're brought up in. Right. And in today's game, you know, these guys don't pitch deep into the game a lot of times because they, they just aren't allowed to. Right. It, it's up. You went through the lineup two times. We got to take you out. <laughs> and it's like, well, what do you mean you got to take me out? Right. I mean, I'm never going to learn how to flip a lineup for the third time if you never let me. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's similar to like the pitch count, right? I mean, even when I was coming up into the big leagues shortly after I got there, you know, the pitch count became a little bit more prevalent and, you know, these guys in the minor leagues would be on such strict pitch counts. Then they'd get to the big leagues, you know, and they'd get into the fifth inning and then things would fall apart or they'd get around 90 pitches and things would fall apart. And it's like, well, if they're in the minor leagues, game's over, they're done, they're out. They don't know how to pitch when they get to this stage of the game. They don't know how to pitch when they're starting to get tired. They don't know how to pitch when they're flipping the lineup for the fourth time. They don't know how to, you know, so it's like all those things that you have to learn how to do, today's guys aren't being allowed to learn how to do it, right? And, and you know, you look at a, a guys today and it's like, well, you know, you can't flip the lineup for the third time. And it's like, well, why? I can't, I can't get a guy out three times in one game. You know, I can't get a guy out differently three times in one game, right? It's like, again, I look at some of the, some of the, again, some of the stuff that drives me crazy watching games today. You can watch a pitcher in the first inning face the top three hitters in the lineup, and there is no doubt in your mind how it is that they're trying to get him out. 
You've seen it right there. Everything game on right there first time, right? Whereas for us, I might think I can get you out, Booney, some, somehow. Like if, if I got a runner on second base and it's a tie game late, here's how I know I can get him out. I'm not trying to get you out like that in the first inning. I'm not, I'm not showing right, you that. Right, right. That's runner that on third, my, less you know, than two outs. Yeah, yeah, I'm putting that in my back pocket. Now, you might get me for a base hit in the first inning, or you might even get me for a solo home run in the first inning. But I'm holding on to how I really think I can get you out until I really need it. Yeah. And I don't see that to today's game, right? I see guys go after a hitter exactly how they think they, they're going to try to attack him the whole game. And for them, okay, well, that's two times, right? I see guys in today's game, again, it's very apparent what they're trying to do and what the hitter's weakness is because that's what they're trying to attack. We never attack the hitter's weakness for the most part. We pitch to our strengths, you know? Again, like you talked about earlier, you're coming into a series and you want to know, okay, how many games has he won? What's his ERA? What's he doing? Whatever. You know, I would listen to scouting reports and, I, you know, I would – pay attention. I would listen a little bit, but I, you know what? I really wanted to know who's hot, who's not. I want to know who's going to chase, who's going to chase with two strikes. Who's going to, you know, who's going to chase the minute they get in the batter's box. Like to me, that guy, that's a red flag. The minute you get in the box, you're a first pitch swinger. Okay. Well, you're not going to get my strike one change up. You're going to get my strike three change up, you know, cause I know you're swinging. So, you know, those are the things I wanted to know. I didn't know, want to know if a guy, wasn't a good curveball hitter or he couldn't hit this or he couldn't because it may not match up to what I did, right? I'm going to go out there and pitch my game and pitch to my strengths. And if you show me you can beat me at that, okay, then I'm going to start making some adjustments. Very seldom would I, if a guy was a bad curveball hitter, well, I don't throw a lot of curveballs. I'm not, I'm not going to just start throwing curveballs because he's a bad curveball hitter. That's like my fourth pitch. Why am I going to start doing that? Or a guy has a really hard time handling fastballs above the belt over the middle of the plate. Well, guess what? I have a really hard time throwing that pitch, so I'm not going to throw it. So, But I see a lot of that in today's game where here's a hitter's weaknesses, and we're going to attack that even though it may not line up with what a pitcher does well. Um, so I think all those things are things that, you know, guys in today's game are just, you know, it's kind of a product of what they're being told and how they're being told to go about pitching and attacking people. And, and look, I think they know it, right? They know, hey, if, if I go out there and I flip the lineup three times, maybe, or most of the time I flipped it twice and I got through five innings, that's a great game. I had a great game, you know? And it's just a different, it's a different mentality than when we played, you know? Like, like I said, for us, it was, for the most part, come hell or high water, I wanted to get through the seventh inning, you know? I, I, if I left my bullpen with six outs to get, I felt okay because you now you're giving it to your setup guy and your closer. If I came out after six and I had to, I had to have the bullpen get me nine outs. That was a whole lot different. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's a different mentality, right? I mean, and today, like I've, I've said it so many times as a broadcaster, some of these teams, like it's hard to, it's hard to fault a manager to come out and get his guy after five innings when he's got, this lefty coming in that's throwing 95, that righty coming in throwing 100, and two more guys behind him doing the same thing. When you got those kind of toys to play with, it makes it kind of hard to have your starting pitcher that's throwing 92, 93 go out and flip a lineup for the third or fourth time. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I, there's so much good stuff in there, and that's the part of the game I love. It's elite thinking. And and later, it, it took me a while, but later in my career, into the 2000s, I got to Seattle. I got with Edgar Martinez and and really broke down how we approach, how we hit. I became a different hitter, but it's all those things you were talking about. I know if I've got a Glavin on the mound. I know if i got a Maddox. The, these guys think differently than your average run-of-the-mill starter. Uh, and, and, oh, the cat and mouse and and – it used to be as hitters, we used to make fun of it. It was a five and dive. Now it's five is you're a star. I still think, <laughs> yeah. I still think the elite elite guys have the mindset that you had. If I got to go at least seven, uh, they don't always get to, but they have that mindset. Whereas I think the kids coming up today because of the culture. And as you, as you pointed out, not their fault, they're taught that way. We expect you to go five innings as a starting pitcher, and we're going to get you're going to make twenty million dollars if you're successful. Well, okay, this is what they told me, so I don't fault them. But it is that elite thinking of, I'm not going to give you my best stuff in the first inning. Nobody on, nobody out, nobody on, two outs. Take your base hit. Late in the game, when I when I've got when there's ducks out on the pond, that's where I'm going to go to the real stuff that I need to get you out with. And you see it with elite pitchers. I saw it uh, throughout my career. It's really cool. And, I, and, you know, I wish we had more time to talk about it. I think this is something great that fans don't get to hear. But it is that thought process. I watched Manny Ramirez as a hitter uh, when I was back in the American League. And it cracked me up. The swings he would take. And I would go to my pitchers and I'd say, listen, I know you've struck him out twice on that pitch. In the eighth inning, when the game's on the line, do not go there because yeah. he's sitting on your neck. He's like you in reverse. He's waiting for that big moment to think that you've got him and now you don't yeah. have him. But I think that's that's what's awesome about the game of baseball. A uh, little more time and I'll let you get out of here. I know you got to go. Um, you were in Atlanta for 16 years. You ended up coming back in 2008. Um, but you go to the Mets. That's got to be, you know, for a guy like myself who, you know, I was in Cincinnati for five years. I was in Seattle for parts of seven. I, I went to Atlanta. I went to San Diego. I was at different places. For you, growing up in the Atlanta Braves organization, going through 16 years, and then all of a sudden you're going to New York, had to be a, a, a shock for you. That's all you ever knew. And not necessarily uh, – the shock so much is all that experience, all those divisions you'd won, uh, all your accolades at that point. When you went to New York, what did you take to New York? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, look, it was tough. Um, it had to know, be it surreal. Those, it was. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure how long it took to really sink in that that it had happened, uh, but it took a while. Um, you know, because for obvious reasons, right? I mean, 16 years in Atlanta, um, free agent for the first time. I knew I was going to have to go through the song and dance, but I, you know, I firmly believe that at the end of the day, I'd go through the song and the dance, and I'd end up 
in a Braves uniform and, and it just didn't work out. And when it didn't, um, and I went to New York. Yeah. I, I mean, I woke up the next day with, I don't want to say buyer's remorse, but I woke up with like, Oh my God, what happened? You know, what, what I'm a Met. Like that's my career now. Um, so it was tough. Um, you know, and, and look, going to, going to New York is not an easy thing to do for anybody. Um, going to New York as a, you know, highly touted, highly paid free agent, um, even tougher. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a good year my first year. It, it, you know, there's a lot of things to get used to, um, you know, crowds, um, media, you know, all that stuff was just way different than anything that I dealt with in Atlanta. Um, you know, and, and it was tough. Now, what, what did I, what did I bring with me? I think I, I, again, I think I brought a culture of winning, right. I mean, even, even though I was not having the greatest of years, you know, I, tried to lead by example. I tried to go about my business the right way. I tried to set an example in terms of this is what it takes to be successful, not only, you know, as an individual, but as a team. And, and these are the, some of the things we need to do. And, um, you know, I, over the course of my time there, we got better. We won a division, almost went to the World Series. Um, and it ended up being a really, you know, a really positive experience for me to go there. And, and I've said it, um, you know, I think every player should play, should play one year in New York. Because uh, there's nothing like it. I don't. I don't. I don't care where you've played. Uh, there's nothing like it. And and people ask me all the time. You know, what was it like to play there? And my standard, shortest, easiest, and I think most truthful answer is, well, let me tell you this. There's no place better when it's going good, and there's no place worse when it's not. So you better figure out a way to be on the plus side of that uh, more times than you're not. And you know, my first year, I was not. I wore it there my first year. Uh, and then it got better and, and, you know, things were good, but you know, the, the fan base up there was phenomenal. They've supported that team unbelievably. Uh, the city, if you were a good team, couldn't do enough for you. Um, so it was, it was positive. Now it was tough being away from home. I mean, my, my kids were still young. Um, so, you know, I was essentially away for nine months out of the year and my kids were still in Atlanta going to school. They'd come up on weekends or, you know, during the summer and all that stuff, but it, it was hard. It was a big adjustment emotionally, but, um, you know, like I said, something by the end of it, I look back at it now and it was five years and I was like, man, those five years actually went by pretty fast. Uh, and it was a good experience. I made a lot of really good friends. Um, some of my, you know, better baseball friends to this day, some of those Mets guys and, uh, you know, it was a positive experience and like I said, a ton of fun, but you know, I'd be lying if I said, like I said, that I didn't, wake up the morning after I had officially agreed to, to sign with the Mets and not say to myself, what the hell just happened? Uh, it was, <laughs> it was a little bit of a shock. That brave staff, you're known as golfers. And I got to see it my year with you guys. You guys were, it was on tour and I loved going to the great tracks and Smoltz. had every hookup in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I tag along with you guys once in a while, but as a position player, I never liked to play. Uh, during the during the regular season because I had to play a game that night. But once in a while, if it was Marion, I, I might have to make an exception yep. and go out yep. there. I never did the Augusta thing. I got invited a couple times, and I thought later in my career, one day I'll do it. Uh, coming off the Masters, I saw I saw an art uh, an interview with Tiger, and and I I played a few rounds with Tiger. We used to be we uh, used to be neighbors when I lived in Orlando. Uh, but he said one of his funnest rounds he ever played was with. 
you, Smoltzy, and Maddox. That was his foursome. He said it was an epic foursome. I, I'm sure you've seen the interview. He said he shot 63 and, and lost money. Uh, if you had a dream foursome, Tom Glavin's dream foursome, what would it be? Um, you know, you get it. And, and I guess I've been asked that and I'll keep it. Um, you know, I'm not going to I won't get into the political or, or religious side of it. I mean, right. I mean, obviously answer sometimes. Oh, I'd love to play with Jesus one day. That would have been great. But I'll keep <laughs> it to golf. You know, um, yeah. if I was going to play golf, I would have it would certainly start with Tiger. Uh, probably Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer. Um, man, who would my fourth be? Um, you know, I could probably stay old school there as well and maybe have a, a Lee Trevino, um, something like that, you know, cause you know, you're going to get, you're going to get the good and the serious with Tiger and Arnie and Jack maybe have somebody to lighten the load a little bit. And I heard, I hear Trevino was an absolutely unbelievable storyteller and just so much fun to play with. So, um, from a, and I, and I know there are guys today that I would love to play with, whether it's, you know, JT or Spieth or, um, you know, guys like that, but, uh, probably, probably go old school across the board, Tiger, Arnie, Jack and Lee Trevino. That'd be, that'd be pretty fun. Tommy, I appreciate you coming on. I'll see you in uh, – I'm coming to Atlanta in about six weeks uh, to do a little – I don't know. I'm going to sit in the booth. And I'm going to watch a Nice. Brave, All right. Braves called me, and I said, you know I only played there one year. They're like, yeah, we want to bring back <laughs> so, some of the old players for, for a weekend series. I think I'm up there uh, late in May, so uh, I'll definitely All come right. by and say hi. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Tom Glavin, 305 and 203 Hall of Famer. One of the best I ever faced. I appreciate you coming on the Boone Podcast. And for all of us here at the Boone Podcast, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 